Hey friend, just a quick note for you before you get into this episode. Since I released this season last year, I have since changed around some of the domains on my site, and now the links that I mention in the original episodes no longer work. So before, if I mentioned a link like filmmakerfreedom.com slash one, that link is now filmfreedomshow.com slash one, and it's the same throughout this entire season. So sorry for the inconvenience with that, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey friend, welcome back to the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast and to season one, where throughout this entire season, we're tackling a single topic, and that topic is how to succeed as a filmmaker in the modern world. So in this middle stretch of episodes this season, we're covering the different ways that filmmakers can actually make a living from their filmmaking skills and their video production skills. And last episode, we talked about one of the big ones, and that's the film industry and how to actually break in and move your way up the ladder into a position that you actually want to be in. With that said, maybe the film industry just isn't a good fit for you. Maybe you don't want to consistently work 12 to 14 hour days. Maybe you don't want to deal with the politics and the strange power dynamics. Maybe you don't want to move to one of the cities that the film industry is prevalent in. Whatever the reason, you can still make a living from your filmmaking skills. And probably the most profitable and consistent way to do that is through client work. Just in the last five or 10 years, demand for video content has just skyrocketed like crazy. Quite simply, individuals and companies and organizations of all shapes and sizes and types want videos because it's one of the best tools around for connecting with people. So in a nutshell, there's plenty of work out there for filmmakers and video creators and craftspeople in the video realm because video is a very, very hot commodity at the moment. And that's not something that's gonna change anytime soon. On the flip side, however, there are also way more people freelancing these days and doing client work in the video business. So while there may be more and more work each year, it might actually feel as if it's getting harder to win jobs, especially the good jobs, because there's more competition. Don't worry though, a lot of that competition is in the very bottom end of the market and people are fighting over clients who are really just price shopping for what they see as a commoditized service. So that's why the rest of this episode is dedicated to teaching you how to land higher end, more profitable clients and do it on a consistent basis. And just like last episode on the film industry, where I brought in a world-class scripted TV editor to cover a lot of the nuances of working your way up in the industry, I'm bringing in another seasoned pro today, someone who can help us dive deep into this topic of doing filmmaking work for clients. However, before we can dive into the meat of today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about Music Vine, the cool company sponsoring this first season of the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. So you have a lot of choices these days when it comes to finding music for your films and video projects, but Music Vine truly stands above the pack. Not only is it refreshingly straightforward to license music you'd actually want to use, but it's also genuinely affordable, even for indie filmmakers on shoestring budgets. And the best part is, the music is all thoughtful, expressive, and genuine. It's sourced from indie artists all over the globe who put the same care and attention and soul into their music as you do into your films. 
And that's why all of the music in this podcast comes straight from the Music Find Library. So if you like what you hear in today's show, you can learn more about Music Vine and get an exclusive 10% discount on your first song when you visit filmmakerfreedom.com. All right, so let's dive back into the episode. Everybody has a process. I mean, I'm not, and, and me and you have talked about this before. Like there's a process for editing. There's a process for filming. So I started documenting all this stuff. Then I realized we didn't have a process for selling. A process for selling is so important because it allows me to know who's a good client and who's a bad client. When people approach us, say they come up to us and they say, hey, we heard about you, Harvest Filmworks. We, w- we want a video. How much does it cost? Uh, I have no idea. Let's sit down and chat and get to know each other before we take our socks off. This is Matt Davis. Matt not only runs two very successful production companies, there's Harvest Filmworks, which does corporate videos and such, and LifeStage Films, which is his wedding brand. But he's also one of the co-founders of Studio Sherpas, which is a a video consulting business that essentially helps up-and-coming video entrepreneurs and video production company owners be way more profitable with their client work. So the dude knows a thing or two when it comes to teaching people how to get the most out of a business that, if you're not careful, can lead to very low profit margins and lots of burnout. Anyhow, a couple weeks ago, Matt and I sat down and chatted over Skype And in our conversation, we covered pretty much everything that an aspiring client work professional would need to know about how to get ahead in this business and how to get really good clients consistently again and again and again. So before we get into this, we should briefly cover some of the pros and cons of doing client work for a living, because a lot like the film industry, it's it's not for everybody. And there are a few things that you really should know if you're going to dive into this and try to do it for a living. So let's start with the pros. I think the big one that is going to appeal to the most people is that you can do it from just about anywhere in the world where there are local businesses that need video content and local businesses could even extend out to couples that want wedding videos or other types of businesses that need events covered and so on and so forth. And beyond that, even if you're not in an area where there are local businesses, you can still do certain types of freelance work with nothing more than an internet connection. You also get to quote unquote work for yourself and set your own schedule. Although the big caveat here is that that might still mean working 60 to 70 hours a week. Regardless though, it can also free up significant time for your passion projects once you're more financially secure. And lastly, there's some serious potential to earn a lot of money doing this type of work. And that amount is only really limited by two factors. And that's how much you work and the quality and the budgets of your clients. So you can't always work more, there are only so many hours in a day, but there are some surefire ways to get better clients who are willing to pay you more for your work. So your earning potential is is pretty large if you play your cards right and you target the right kind of clients and you have the right kind of processes in place to be able to land those clients. So that's what I've got for the pros of client work. And now let's look into some cons. So first up, the bulk of your income will come from projects that might not be creatively fulfilling or even interesting, at least when you're just starting out. Think lots of talking head videos and sort of uninspiring B-roll. Next up, unless you have a solid repeatable system in place to generate new business at the drop of a hat, 
Your income probably won't be as stable as you want it to be. You'll go through periods of feast and famine, and it can be very difficult to weather those slower times, unless you're financially savvy and good at saving. Speaking of which, taxes, everybody's favorite subject. So the first time you try to do your taxes as a freelancer or as a business owner, you'll probably want to cry. So at least in the US, you can avoid this by diligently setting aside 25% of everything you earn in a savings account, or even better, in some sort of investment account, as well as tracking every single dollar you spend on your business. You'd be surprised at the number of things you can write off, so keep track of everything. And if you can afford it, just get an accountant, hire an accountant for a few hours a year, and you will make your life so much easier. Next up, if you see yourself purely as a, a creative filmmaker or someone who doesn't do business stuff, then, then freelancing and client work are not for you. And last but not least, there, there are quite a few bad clients out there, especially on the, the lower end of the market, the people who are price shopping. And you'll find people who demand free spec work or they'll hold your payments hostage or they won't pay you at all. And there's plenty of other nonsense that you will have to deal with. So if you are good with that and you're ready to dive into how to succeed in the world of client work, there are just two really important things you need to know before we dive into all of this more advanced stuff with Matt. So number one, it isn't enough to be just a good filmmaker. You really do have to be a business person and you have to take that to heart. You've got to know how to find clients, how to pitch them and how to close the sale. You have to know the basics of accounting, marketing, and plenty of other businessy things that creatives typically don't like. So many filmmakers and, and really creatives of all types think it's enough to just have a, a cool demo reel or a cool portfolio. And you can post it to social media sites and on your website and expect clients to come to you, but it really does not work that way. And the filmmakers I know who've tried finding clients without actually marketing themselves and putting themselves out into the world and building relationships always always fail. So that brings us to number two. Client work is first and foremost a relationship business, and the most important thing you can do to actually succeed in this is just make your clients happy. Once you get started with all this, you'll find that your best clients are repeat clients and referral clients. So it's going to pay off big time if you communicate well, you do what you say you're going to do and when you say you're going to do it and are generally pleasant to work with. This sounds like something that should be super obvious, but you would be really surprised at just how much you can differentiate yourself from other freelancers by consistently implementing these basics right here. All right, so that's about enough for me for the time being. Let's get into this conversation with Matt. And let's start out with something that is really foundational for anybody who wants to start charging more and working on more fulfilling projects. And that is finding a niche that you can actually serve and then becoming the kind of person who serves that niche better than anybody else. And this actually falls into the category of one of the biggest mistakes that Matt made early on in his career when he was just starting out, but I'll let him tell it. Oh, and just as a heads up, the audio quality gets a little bit iffy in here just because my internet isn't all that reliable sometimes, so sorry about that. But when, when you first start out, when I first started out, my, my business card said 
specializing in all your video video production needs or something like that. It's like, that's the worst thing that I've ever heard in my life. And so when you realize that you, you need to specialize in one type of video. And so like the more you do films for one industry, the more you become an expert on it. Once you realize that you do not specialize in all these people's video needs. You need to figure out what you want to tell, like what kind of films do you want to make? Cause that's, what's going to come up, make you come alive. And that's, what's going to resonate in your work. And so for us, as one example, we've gotten really good at, it sounds so weird, but we've gotten really good at, um, family law videos. And so it's, you, know, you see these commercials on TV, like if you've been injured or blah, 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 or, you know, that turns everybody off. So we were like, well, what, how can we do this? How can we, cause I went through divorce. Like I went through, so this is a personal you know, wound, I guess. But I was like, people need to know that there's attorneys out there that aren't out to get rich. They, they are there to help you and they do know more than you. And so we've done a, a few where we've humanized these law firms that are not the corporate, you know, like hardwood table where the, you know, there's a bunch of law books behind them and it, it's, now we know that we can go all over the Southeast or all over the country and call up law firms and say, Hey, do you want this? Is this, is this something that resonates with you? Give us a call. Now we have a targeted, like a specific focus, a purpose instead of saying, Oh, we do video. We do, we, we tell stories like we're okay. What, how are you going to get started with that? Where are you going to go? So once you've found a niche, that you're very capable of serving and that you're passionate about serving. It's time to actually dive into the architecture of your business and figure out who your ideal clients are versus bad clients and the people that you don't want to work with. Because having freelance myself, I can say that there is nothing in this world more frustrating than feeling like you're bouncing from bad client to bad client to bad client and feeling trapped because you know you need that money to pay your bills. On the flip side of that, however, when you deeply understand who your ideal client is and why you serve them and what you can do for them, it becomes so much easier to actually go out into the world and find these people. And obviously, once you've found them, it opens you up to the possibility of better relationships and more income and overall just a better quality of life. Anyhow, here's what Matt says about this whole topic of finding and pitching your ideal clients. When you're a freelancer, you got to take what you can get. So don't get me wrong here. Like if you're, if you got to pay the mortgage, you got to pay the mortgage. But once you realize that you don't have to be stuck in that mentality, you're able to be picky. You're able to say, oh my gosh, I don't want to have this situation happen to me again. Because when you're a creative, this is our skill set. This is our craft. And when you go into a meeting and, and say it's with a larger agency, now we're doing five and six figure jobs. And it's like, we also can have, we have red flags that we see if they're like, well, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to have the CEO being interviewed and we're going to do this. And then we're going to go here this next day. We're not even asking for our creative input for us personally. That's a red flag. Like they're trusting us to make something, but they're, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. They're saying, this is how it should be done. We're actually going to edit this thing for you. We're going to be over your shoulder looking as you're editing this thing. And we're going to come by every week. I've, I mean, I've been there. I've, I don't know if you have or not, but I've been there where there's been clients that have just been so type A, hands-on. Well, we know that we don't want those clients anymore.
We want the client that says, we see that, we love it, and we love you guys, we trust you. And here's our story, make it happen. There's, there's power in that, there's freedom in that, but also it's challenging. Like we're taking the hard route. It's easier to just have someone tell you what to do, right? But that's not where our heart is. Our heart is telling stories that need to be told. So now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, cool. But how do I actually find these people? How do I build systems into my business so that the people I end up working with are the people that I actually want to work with? And the answer to that is that you build a sales funnel. Think of it like this. Imagine with me a a funnel, like an actual physical funnel that you'd find in your kitchen or in a garage. So at the top, it's at its widest and it starts to slope inwards and downwards. And at the very bottom, the smallest volume comes out. So the sales funnel is the same way. At the very top, you've got leads, potential people that you might work with. So these might come from referrals. They might come from people who contact you on your website. They might come from you going out and networking. There are all sorts of places you can find leads depending on your niche. And as these leads start to move their way down the funnel, you begin to filter out the people who are not a good fit the people who don't align with your values while at the same time strengthening your relationship and building a bond with the people who are a good fit until you get to the very bottom and you're left with the cream of the crop. So that's the metaphor of the funnel. Here's Matt to tell you a little bit more about why it's so important to start implementing this in your business. A lot of us as as filmmakers and creatives get so busy because our work is awesome, right? Our work is really good. So we get busy. We're, we're pumping this stuff out. We're working late at night, editing, getting revisions the next week, changing this, tweaking that. We're so busy focused on the work that we do have that we're not putting time in to focus on the future work. So a funnel is literally that. It's like, what's going to come down the pipeline? Because what happens when you're done editing this film or shooting this big job that you have and you deliver it? Client loves it, great, you get paid, and then what? Now you gotta start over, you gotta find a new client. Well, that that takes time. And so we believe that we have to constantly pay attention and nurture our sales funnel. We have to, even if we're busy as crap right now, and that's what we are, we are busy here, we've got stuff going on, we've always got deadlines here, we're editing, well that, my job is to find things that are you know down the line. What are we gonna do when this is done? And so I'm always going out there and, and um, there's ways that I go out there and find it. There's things that I know that I have a process. I have to go out and fill up my sales funnel. All right, so let's take this concept of a sales funnel and move it from something that's a little bit abstract to something that's tangible and that you can start using in your business right away. So the only thing that you really, really need to make this work is some sort of email marketing software. And ideally you'd have a CRM as well that will help you manage relationships and keep track of of meetings and phone calls and emails and things like that. But really you just need the email marketing software, something that will let you drip out a series of emails to your leads. And we'll talk about what those emails will contain in just a second. But just a quick tech recommendation here, I recommend starting with MailChimp since it's free to use up to 2,000 subscribers and that's more than enough for the vast majority of service-based businesses. Obviously, you can get way more complicated with all this stuff and get into automation and all sorts of crazy crap, but start simple and learn about this stuff when you need it. So let's get back into this conversation with Matt where he talks about what actually goes into a sales funnel and how you use it to nurture your leads. 
a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of people, and, I'm, and this is both with weddings and corporate work, but they've never done this before. They, they've, of course, never worked with us before. And hopefully they will once they book and they'll come, keep coming back. But they're trusting you for a diagnosis here. Why, why do I need video? I mean, I don't know what I'm doing here. Tell me about it. We have articles. We have an about us video. We have a, a mission statement video. We have past samples. We have landing pages. We're targeting specific audiences so that they know and are aware that we are the expert in this. We have statistics. We have videos that we've made that we we drip to them. It's like a drip process where it's like, hey, if we haven't heard back from them in 10 days. Let's send them this article. Like, oh my gosh, hey, I was just thinking about you. Check out this article on how, you know, where video is going for SEO by 20, you know, 20. You know, what what's going to be popping up on Google instead of your website? It's probably going to be, you know, uh, a YouTube video instead of your website. This is how you can, you know, uh, maximize that. Things like that that keep them, keep you top of mind, but keep them excited about the possibility of video. And it's an exciting freaking time to be a filmmaker because, video content is exploding and it's never been this way before. So that's all I've got for you today. Hopefully you found something useful here that will actually help push your filmmaking business forward and make it more profitable and more enjoyable in the future. Also, I should mention that I've got a few bonus segments from this interview with Matt in the show notes slash blog posts for this episode. So just go to filmmakerfreedom.com slash five. And that's again, number five, not spelled out or anything. And down towards the bottom, I'll have an extra piece of audio for you that will have advice about pricing and charging what you're worth, how to get referrals and build relationships with your client. And also some thoughts about things like tracking time, which not nearly enough people take into consideration. So again, hope you enjoyed this episode and got some good stuff out of it. That'll be useful for you going forward. And now here's a fun little folk song for my friends over at Music Vine. So over the past few weeks, I have had an absolute blast digging through Music Vine's library for tracks for this podcast. As a complete music nerd myself, I've been really surprised and delighted by some of the stuff I found on there, especially some of the more experimental, out there, and expressive stuff. And obviously I can't use it all for this podcast because it, it doesn't really fit with the theme and the style that I'm going for, but I'm confident that you can find something that really expresses what you're trying to accomplish with your next film. So head over to filmmakerfreedom.com and click on the link over to Music Vine and you'll get 10% off any song you choose. Hope you enjoy it. Peace. Peace.